0: Futures Radio Show, sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit Group. Com.
1: Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for this episode with Brent Nord. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You could subscribe to the show on iTunes and YouTube. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Before I play today's interview for you, I want to give a shout out to the great sponsors of Futures Radio Show CME Group, Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn more about these sponsors and the important things they are doing for futures traders, be sure to click on their logos on futuresradioshow.com. Today I spoke with trader Brent Nord. Brent shares with us his path to becoming a full-time profitable day trader, why his strategy focuses on trading markets during news and events, how he develops a theme in the market, rules versus instincts versus guidelines, and last but not least, we discussed developing an edge and how maintaining good mental and physical health has played a huge role in his success as a trader. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Brent. Brent, how'd you get involved in trading futures?
1: Well, it started way back in the 90s when I was uh, in high school. And my dad was, he traded a little bit on the side and he would always get this old uh, Knight Ritter publication and it had all of the uh, commodity charts in there. And it came every week updated with. Uh, you know, the latest charts. And, you know, that was before there was a lot of computer charting and stuff. So I asked him one day, I think I was probably a sophomore in high school. I asked him what it was and he went through and explained it. And I started looking into it and I got really excited about, you know, just like the chart patterns and, you know, how things moved and just started looking at stuff and, and started following some stuff uh, with him. And I, I think the first stuff that we actually was like, all hey, right, what do you see a trade you like? And so I, my first trade was in coffee, and it was an immediate loser. <laughs> and, and, but I had the bug right from then, and so I started reading books on it, and most of the books were like on technical analysis. And then when I uh, was in college, I kept following it and even opened up my own uh, futures trading account, and I never really made anything of it, but when I graduated, I asked my broker that was in Bloomington, and it was the old school broker where you had to call in, you know, about how I could start working on the floor and how I could make it a career. And they got me a job as a runner at the uh, Board of Trade in the grain pits. And then I worked there for maybe like three or four weeks and I made a friend. He's like, you got to come over to the Eurodollar pit, which is like the largest pit, futures pit in the world. And it was over at the CME. So I went over there and worked with uh, his group as a broker and realized that I did not, brokering was not what I was interested in. I was interested in the actual trading from the local side where you got to make the choices about whether the market was going up or down. And so I worked my way around into a job in the uh, futures options pit. I didn't really even know what options were at the time, but got myself a job as a clerk and traded there for a while. And I went off the floor to watch the options books. And I started trading futures overnight. It was in 1998. They had the, uh, the Asian contagion crisis. And I happened to do pretty well because I could trade like an ARB between uh, US and, and Singapore and uh, Japan. And then I got another shot after I done, had done well overnight trading futures not options. But with the options, I've come down and trade in the options pit. And so I went down there, and I just didn't like it being a local. In fact, I was a terrible local, to be honest. I lasted about six months in the pit, and our group wasn't doing well. And the owner of the company said, well, do you want to come upstairs and trade off the floor again on the computer? And this is in 2000, 2001. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd done well up there. And so this was right at the beginning of Globex. And so I transferred back upstairs and it had done pretty well. And then and then I had a bad year and then went to somewhere else and tried it on my own and did not, I had a bad time going with that. And then I had a friend who introduced me to uh, Dave Ellis and his trading group. And so I decided, well, I'm going to give it one last shot. Cause I was kind of at my wits end with like, oh, maybe I'm not a good trader maybe this isn't for me. And I went to, Dave Ellis trading and he kind of showed me how to take responsibility for all of my decisions and how to self analyze anything that I did. And I traded with uh, Dave Ellis and traded at his group until they closed in 2015. And I've been on my own since and that's how I got started and how I'm, where I'm at right now.
0: <laughs> Man, our stories are so similar. I want to talk a little bit more about when you went over to Dave Ellis and you said that he really helped you become a successful trader.
1: Absolutely. That's, I, I give him more credit than anybody else.
0: What is it that Dave helped you with that helped you start to become a professional profitable trader?
1: Well, the main thing that he, he told me is like, you have to be, you cannot make excuses for your losers. Oh, the market, you know, just got away from me or, Oh, there was a headline or, Oh, I not seen it or the market's slow or whatever. He's like, you have to take responsibility for every single trade you make and learn from your mistakes. And if you can't learn from your mistakes, then it's just a simple loser. And instead of being, you can turn that loser into a lesson. Maybe it's an expensive lesson, but you can still turn it into a lesson. And so he showed me how to plot all of my trades every day, plot your entries and your exits and go and understand the mistakes you made, but also to understand the things that you do well, like notice your good trades and say, why did, why was this a good trade and reinforce the reasons why you should do those trades again versus the ones that you did poorly on. And maybe it, Maybe it was one thing, a one off situation that it shows up as a loser, but maybe it wasn't really that bad of a trade because not all trades are equal.
0: Nothing you said was technical or fundamental. And for me, it was the same thing. It was, I've said many times on the show, trading is a journey of oneself. Talk to us about what you were working on for your strategy? How did you start to develop a strategy that worked for you?
1: Well, so that's, that is, you're so right about that, Anthony. And that, you know, trading is an art form and no artist is the same. And so when you read a lot of books on technical analysis or you read different people's trading strategy, the worst thing that you could probably do is to try and say, well, I'm going to copy this person's strategy because maybe you're not comfortable with the the risk parameters or the entries or exits and that's really hard to do you have to find your trading strategy that makes you feel comfortable and that gives you confidence so to develop that i kind of looked at like the trades that i was doing well and find, finding the areas of because it used to be i just like look at technical indicators and say well you know i'm gonna buy when it gets to this to the level because that's supposed to work because i read it in a book and then I started to, as I started to review all of my trades, I started to look at like, well, when, does, when do those trades work? And how did I set it up that that Fibonacci level that I was using? At what points in my strategy did that work? And it turned out that it was all like story-related, event-driven. And so I, I started to develop my trading strategy around events and news.
0: Explain to everybody a little bit more about how your strategy is event and news driven.
1: Sure. So, you know, a lot of times you can just look at the markets moving all day long, whether it's moving a lot or a little is irrelevant. It's still fluctuating, even if it's minor. But I had, I analyzed my trades and I noticed that in the middle of the day, and even towards the end of the day, a lot of times I was not really making money and a lot of times just losing money. And so, when I analyzed, you know, where I was having the most success, it was all around, you know, an event driven trade, meaning like, was there some news event that caused the market to reprice itself? And is while that made, you know, you know, I forget what they call that, uh, like pure market theory or whatever, where it doesn't instantly get priced there. Like if there's an unemployment report, yeah, the market moves there, but it doesn't go from point, it doesn't go from 10 to 20 and then just stop. There's like a, a path and a road that it takes. And I learned that those were the types of, types of moments and the types of uh, market events that I was able to take advantage of because I was able to understand what the destination was of the market and where it was making wrong turns and how I can participate in that.
0: How long after meeting Dave Ellis and him helping you with your mindset did it take for you to develop your strategy, to know that, you know what, this is it. This is my strategy. Well, it had,
1: it had started even before I went to Dave Ellis, that I, I traded a lot of economic releases in the morning and I do well on that. And then it was the analyzing of my trades and it didn't take that long. It took maybe six months to a year once I figured, but remember, I had already been trading for several years and with, so limited success. So I wasn't a brand new trader when I went to Alex. I had already been trading for, for several years, but when I got there, it didn't take me that long. Once I learned to analyze my trades and analyze what I was doing and to realize that I was trying to be somebody. I wasn't in the afternoons because there weren't any events. And so what, by looking and saying, Oh, okay, I have a lot of losers. Why am I having these losers? Versus why am I having winners in the morning? And it, you know, after you analyze your trade every day, you start to figure out, okay, well, here's how I'm making money. How do I do more of what I'm doing well at and less of what I'm doing bad at? It took me very little time once I started the self-reflection at Dave Ellis. It was near immediate. I mean, six months.
0: All right. So not long after meeting with Dave Ellis that you discovered that this was going to be your strategy. But from the time you started trading, how long until you became profitable?
1: I would say, well, I was, I was profitable right away. But there's a caveat there that I didn't maintain profitability. And so I was profitable in the beginning because there was a lot of, you know, outsized news events that I was, I didn't realize that I was doing well, but I was understanding them and trading them. But then when those went away and it was slow, I started losing money, lost it. Lost a lot of money to where I, you know, lost a job, and then the same thing happened. It was busy again in 2001. I did well, and then when it slowed down in 2002, 2003, I, I again lost money because I wasn't, I wasn't fully focused on the things I was doing well. So it, I, till I was consistent, consistent, without consistent, and had known what I was doing, it was probably like three or four years.
0: Now, what markets are you trading and why have you chosen to trade those markets?
1: So I almost specifically trade equity futures. Uh, that's the S&P 500 or the E-minis and the uh, Eurostox uh, 50, which is FESX. And I also trade the 10-year, which is a fixed income product. I will occasionally t- trade oil, but I'm, my success is, somewhat limited in their product
0: and why those markets just because of the way that those markets react to news.
1: Right. Because those are the, uh, those are the big gorillas and they, they react more to the overall mood of the, they are the market basically. When you talk about fixed income, the main market you're talking about is, is the 10 year or the S and P 500 when it comes to equities. So when you have global events or, you know, a widely followed number like uh non-farm payrolls those are the two markets that the public are you know when generally speaking about the market those are the ones that move on those numbers And there's less to be like less outside influence on them
0: okay so we know that your strategy is event and news driven but what about unexpected news what about tweets
1: Absolutely, Anthony. It's, uh, it's, my focus is strictly on events. And you know that lately there is a lot of you know, tweets or you know, trade headlines that come through. So those are, those, I count those as events as well. So even though I may not be trading during a specific day because there's no numbers, I still have my markets up ready to react and ready to, to trade on a specific event if it pops up.
0: All right, well, let's talk about how you do that. Walk us through how you prepare for a trading day.
1: Sure. So, you know, I start like I would imagine most, you know, professional traders start, which is I read the morning paper, which is, for me, it's the Wall Street Journal. But I also look at a couple other uh, news sites. One is uh, Seeking Alpha. They tend to get all the major headlines and put them out there. So I will look at look at just the basic headlines of the day and see... You know, is there anything that went on overnight that I need to know? Why is the S&P down, you know, 17 handles this morning? What's causing that? And then I also look at the economic release calendar to see what's coming out and, you know, prepare for any numbers that might be on the docket for that day. And that's pretty much it. It's just reading the, the major uh, publications and, and setting up for events that are due out for that day. Maybe there's a Fed speaker.
0: So what you're telling me is that you're basically just looking for an overall theme in what's happening in the market. You're not looking for, I guess, a specific situation. You're looking for what's just, what is the story of the market right now? What is moving the market right now?
1: Exactly. I just want to be aware of, you know, why is it, why did Europe go up? You know, why is the euro currency, why is it down so much? Is there some, is there something that could possibly be affecting us that, maybe the overnight traders got it wrong, you know, and trying to understand that.
0: So what you're doing is you're going to gauge based upon what moved the markets overnight and whether or not that has significant meaning or not. So whether you're going to fade it or go with it.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And the same goes for a tweet or an event, a planned event.
1: Right. Right. Like, is it a normal tweet? Is it a normal, like, Hey, the China deal is going well. Okay. Well, that's, it's a pretty normal like tweet nowadays. And so that, that it holds less, less conviction if there's a big market pop on that. And so I try to dig deeper if there is something there when those come out, but yes, overall, just looking to see what the overall moves are based on.
0: Now let's go to the charts. Mm-hmm. What are you looking at for a trade to set up? Uh, talk to us about the time frames that you're looking at and any indicators as well. Sure. So,
1: my charts that I use, since a lot of my trades are, I'm t- I tend to be in and out on, I mean, in 5, 10, 30 minutes, that's about how long my trades last. You know, sometimes they're longer depending on the day. So, I try to use charts that mimic the time frame that my trade is going to be like uh, using a, using a weekly chart is pointless for me because I'm, my trades not, not lasting that long. They can be good for levels, but for the main chart that I'm looking at is like a two minute chart and a five minute chart to have up technicals that allow me to enter and exit the trades. But I also use longer term charts, like a 60 minute chart and a daily chart, but only for price levels, you know, to look for targets that the uh, the market might be headed to, or that it might struggle to get through. You know, and the daily chart, even though I don't hold trades overnight usually, it still has some good technical indicators as far as like moving averages that I would uh, that I use when deciding, you know, where my trade is headed.
0: All right, let's go through a trade example. Give us an example of a day that you came in. We talked about how you're reading the news, you're seeing what's happening overnight, and then the markets either moved or a move comes later to where then you looked at it, assessed it, uh, and then you went to your charts and said, "This is I'm in now. This is how I'm gonna. This, this is a trade that I want to take." And walk us through how that that trade. Worked from entry to how you then determine to stop and then also determining your targets. Perfect. I, let's just,
1: we, let's talk about today because I, it's fresh in my mind and I have one trade that I did today. <laughs> I only did one, but it was, uh, it was a pretty good setup. So we have going on in the news right now uh, is the whole Brexit thing and whether or not that's going to get resolved and whether or not that's going to be good for, for Europe. And at the same time, we also have the China trade deal going through, you know, which is, happens to be in the markets right now. So I came in, in this morning, the market was up a little bit and I, some of that could have been related to bank earnings, whatnot, it was, seemed okay. It didn't seem like we were up for no good reason, which sometimes is a thing. So I accepted that we were up, and then I'm looking at my charts this morning, and I say, okay, well, if we really start moving, the S and P's have a level at 29.94 that I think is pretty decent. They had stopped up there four or five times when you if you look back on like a 60-minute chart, and so I immediately have in my head that like, all right, if we can get some good good movement up and start to continue this rally, I think there's enough behind this China thing, which is a whole separate idea, which we could go into if you wanted. But my idea is that I'm I'm kind of bullish, and I'm looking for some sort of catalyst that would start to really push us up. And, well, we get the news that the Brexit thing is going really well, that they might be able to come to an agreement, and the European stocks start ripping higher. I'm like, okay, well, this, this could be it. This could be the, the trade I'm looking for. So the S&Ps break through their overnight rage and the range they've had from uh, yesterday which was like a right around 83 we'll call it 82 and a half so i'm like okay well, once they get up there depending on how they go through they go through really strong i think we could have that move up to 94 29.94 that is so now i'm looking and i've got my moving averages up that i like to follow that if i'm following on a trend that this is this gives me my buy signals and i use them only as like, all right, here's my safe entry point or at least a point that I can define and that it's not just arbitrary. So I am following a non-attunement. Like I said, a two-minute chart is what I use. I've got a moving average. It's a nine period that I will start to put on a small position there. And the other one I like is the five-minute chart using the same, the nine and the 15-minute moving averages. So I put in a small. I put in part of my position. I put in half of it here at the at the two minute two minute chart nine uh, nine bar moving average, and that's half my position. The other half I'm working lower at the uh, at the nine bar five minute chart moving average. So that came in at uh, ninety or twenty nine eighty six in the uh, S and P's. I get filled on it. It happens. It just happened to be that that was a really good price, and I kind of lucked out because sometimes it's not that easy. But then it took off and started moving up. And as I'm thinking, I'm like, "Well, okay, well, I'm going to get out of some of these almost immediately, just so I can say, all right, well, I have a little breathing room.' Because what I hate more than anything is losing money on trades. I just I don't deal well with it. So I'm always just am you know. You know safety stand over here and we'll, we'll get out of some just to buy myself you know a little bit of breathing up so i got out of part part of them like within a handle and a half and then i watch the other ones and as it's going up to the 94s which was my target i start thinking well this is this is where i want to get out but like how many other people are going to be selling against these 94s up here and i think that there's quite a few and then i'm thinking well if they're selling right here, this is like the fifth time up here, and we actually have decent news that is somewhat bullish. I'm looking for it to actually even go further than that. And enough to where anybody who sold it there is going to get squeezed out. So instead of selling at the 94s, I start working up at like that 97s and 98 area. And then I exited the rest of my position up there. And then that was my, that was my trade. You know, I haven't done anything since.
0: Thanks for the explanation and a few things I want to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think a lot of people, when they think about consistency, they try to make money every single day. For me, I know in my career, i made money in moments. The trade you mentioned today to me, I get it. I totally understand what you did. That trade may not come around again for who knows you don't know, right? It could be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It could be weeks. Right. You're, you're one of the best traders I know. You're one of the most consistent traders I know. When you look at your career, because you've been doing this a long time, do you make money in moments or are you someone who makes money on a regular basis?
1: You know, that's a great question. And so the, I think the traders kind of fall into a couple of categories and one is the grinder. And for me, that's never been what I am. I'm not a grinder. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a scalper. So that means I'm not like looking for these like little one, two tick trades. I'm looking for, for moves. I'm looking for an actual move like that's many handles. And so, like you said, those don't come around every day and there's not always a news event every day. So I would say the majority of my money is made on, you know, like moments like that. Or today I like had this one trade and the idea presented itself and I acted on it and it worked out. You know, and so, I, you know, 80%, 90% of my money is probably made, you know, on 10% of the days of the year.
0: Yeah, it's the same with me. But how do you stay patient? right? That's always the question. I mean, we all want to come in and make money every day. I, I'm sure a lot of people out there are saying, well, <laughs> how do I know when that day is going to come around? So what is it that you're doing to keep you patient to waiting for those moments?
1: Well, a lot of it is experience that like an understanding, like that I can't do it every day. Like I tried and tried and tried. Believe me, I have, I have tried so hard to be like that trader that makes money every single day. And after a while, you just get like to the point where like I, this is not a, this is not a profitable situation for me to be trading. I have to find some other thing to distract me or take me away from the screen or help me to, to prepare for some other event. Because if I try to trade, you know, the market all the time, it's, I'm not, for me, I am not profitable doing that because that's not the kind of trader I am. It's not, that's not where my strengths lie. I don't, I'm not a tech I'm not a purely technical trader which I think if you are you maybe you can grind it out. I don't I don't judge or have preconceived notions about what anybody else does. But for me it took a long time of doing it and not doing it well or doing a lot of stuff and not well for a long time to realize don't do that anymore, you know, don't stop touching the hot stove.
0: Yeah, exactly, eliminating the things that don't work. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's exactly, it, it seems so simple, but I look back at my career and it's the same thing for me. It's just like every day, you know, you want to have a good work ethic, you want to come in and you want to produce. But the more times I was clicking, I, I wasn't making money. I, yeah. Maybe certain years, you know, like I look back at my 20 year career, yeah, 99, 2000, 2001, great. 07, 08, 09, yeah. Right. And maybe a few times in between. You can trade every day because there's something to do every day. But overall, when you look back, it's like, you know, because of your experience, because of your preparation, you can look at a day and say, you know what, <laughs> you know, I, I know that I'm not gonna be taken today, the market's gonna be taken, so why would I give? You just give less. Exactly. What I find so interesting about everything that you spoke about today is it's, it's very simple. I love it, you know, you read the news, everybody's got that information. Basic technical analysis, everybody's got that information. You sit back, you wait, you watch for a move, and then you react, and then from there, you do your job as a trader, right? So I guess because it's so simple, because it's so basic, what do you consider your edge?
1: I think that my patience is definitely an edge for me, and I mean... To go, I don't want to. I don't want it to sound arrogant because that's the way it feels when it's going to come out. But like, I feel like I have a good understanding of what other traders are doing and why they might be off balance, or why the gen—maybe not even other traders, but why the general public might be doing something that's, you know, mass hysteria and people are stuck and overpriced and trying. I feel like I have a good understanding of that of those situations, and so I would say that. I feel like my edge is just my mental game as far as like setting up the trade and understanding positioning and being patient and willing to miss moves and wait for my prices. Hey
0: everybody, I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks be sure to check out the eMini Russell 2000 index futures contract symbol R T Y for more information on footsie Russell and their products. Please visit footsie Funny hearing you say that you think that they're stuck. I remember learning from many traders on the floor. They're like, these guys are stuck right now and then they'd be trying to go the opposite way. It was something that I learned. So when I, was sitting down building my strategy. I was thinking the same way that you just mentioned. I'm like, everybody's in now. And I look around and I assess the situation and go, is this because not just because everybody's in here doesn't mean they're wrong. But if there's a reason for me to think that they're not, Oh man, nobody wants to be the last <laughs> right. Nobody wants to be the last one out, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you use that to yeah. your advantage.
1: Right. And the one, the one of the ways you know what that feels like is when you are the last one out. And having exactly.
0: done exactly. Exactly. Boy, how many high ticks and low ticks have we bought and sold? I mean Oh my gosh, and
1: it's it, I'm not immune to it now. It's not I'm not a perfect trader now, Anthony. Like I, the other day I got out I like I was like, oh, I'm wrong and just like decided to puke and it was literally the low tick. And I'm like, how is that possible? I mean like <laughs> I knew the, the bottom.
0: It's it's it it still happens. It's, it's amazing. You know, you think because you're doing the right thing at the moment, you're saying to yourself, I just got to be out. And it's amazing how many times I am out within uh, a few ticks, at least of the high and the, and the low tick, a couple more things I want to discuss here. Mm-hmm. I said the other day on Twitter, I said, you can develop two types of edges. It's great to have both, but there are two types in my opinion for successful traders you either got to have mm-hmm. a really strong mental edge or you have a really strong t- statistical edge what do you think about what i said there
1: i i totally agree i mean the the mental edge is is very important i think it's it's more important because the t- statistical edges are harder to maintain because they change throughout but I think that the, I think that you're right on. You have to figure out what your edge is and be and be willing to try to explore how to improve your edge at all times.
0: Exactly. Looking back at my career, I kept searching for statistical edge, the perfect indicator or the perfect strategy. And along the way, I was having some success. And what I finally came to the realization was was that I was the edge is that I pressed on a day where the market was giving me everything that I thought would happen. And I continue to trade. Mm-hmm. And on the days where nothing was going on and nothing was working, if I continued to trade, uh, that was on me. It had nothing to do with an indicator or a strategy. And so I eventually learned to take advantage of moments and not let the market take a, a, advantage of me in moments. Uh, there's a lot more to it of course, but ultimately, I knew to work more on my mental edge and just find a simple direction, a simple indicator, a simple strategy that fit my personality and let me just go after it and, and execute. Exactly. I want to move on now and talk about instincts versus rules. I get asked all the time about whether, what my trading rules are and really the only rules I have are my risk limits. Beyond that, Everything to me is an, is an instinct. You know, my instincts are be aggressive, know when to stop, react with reason. You know, things that I feel that shouldn't be something I refer to on, on a piece of paper, they should just be a part of me. Uh, because I've, every time I had rules written down, I'd break them anyway. So I just started developing instincts. What do you do? Do you have instincts, do you have rules, do you have guidelines?
1: I, I would say it's closer to guidelines. I mean, I think everybody, every trader needs to have like parameters on what their losses are and a point at which you're like, okay, regardless of what I think, the results are saying that I'm not trading well right now and I need to shut it down. So with stop losses uh, for the day, for the week, for the month, whatever you want to use, I think that those are important for everybody. Um, but I would say that mine are more like when it comes to to trading rules or instincts I, I kind of put those all in the same box, meaning like my my trades I try so hard not to just click in because I think we're going up. I want to have a rule, my trading rules say that like, well, what is your reason for why it's going up you know where's the where's the market heading what's the destination, and what is your you need to have a reason for it to be moving and that's part of my trading rules is like I need to have at least one very solid reason as to why this is going up. And the other and the other reason would be like, did you follow your technical, you know, entry rules? You know, or did you just click in because?
0: A couple of things before we get into rapid fire. I mentioned already you're one of the best traders I know, you're one of the most consistent sure. traders I know. What is your advice that. to others trying to make it as an independent futures trader?
1: So, a couple pieces here. Uh, the first would be to be yourself. Do not try to be somebody you're not. And that's and what that means specifically is don't try to copy, you know, verbatim somebody else's trading strategy or somebody's method. You have to develop your own and be willing to have confidence that you are strong enough to do that. Everybody can trade. It just takes time, you know? And so be willing to, to make it your own and to formulate your own strategy that doesn't mimic somebody else. Do you change your parameters or change your entries exit to, to where you are comfortable with it, to where it fits within your personality because everybody's personality is different. And the second is, is, you know, trade small, if you're just starting out trade small, it's so, this is uh. you know, Anthony, you and I both have well over 10,000 hours of this, you know, you know, it's taken a long time for us to get from where we were back in the nineties to where we are now. And it doesn't happen overnight. So trade small and be willing to learn from your mistakes.
0: Well said, my friend, last question before we get into rapid fire. Mm-hmm. You're in good shape. I know that you definitely do some things to stay in shape when you're away from the screens. Talk to us about some of the things that you do when you're not trading to help you with your performance when you're at the screens.
1: Uh, well, like, The biggest thing that's important to me is is my health. And I I try to work out every day and the middle of the day happens to be a really great time for me to step away from my screen and fulfill that need that I have to, you know, whether it's go lift weights, go for a run, um, do whatever. But I really try hard to, to stay in shape and maintain my health. And like I said, the middle of the day is a good way for me to get away from my screens and just take some me time to do that because I have two kids who are, you know, 14 and uh, one's going to be 12 soon. And as soon as I get home from work or the market's closed down, it's, you know, we're running kids to hockey or just hanging out with them and just, you know, being part of the family. And I try to keep a good work-family separation.
0: How much do you attest to your success over the years has come from you being in good mental and physical shape?
1: I would say that... Uh, quite a bit of it the mental shape is probably more important than the physical shape but i i care about the physical stuff quite a bit but being mentally confident because if you're if your if your brain isn't set up to say to see yourself as a winner and to see yourself making you know good trades every trade you put on there's there's no trade there's i don't think i've ever seen a trade really maybe once to where it was like so cut and dry like this is going to be a winner and there's no doubt in my mind Every single trade that I've put on in my life, there's always a little bit of doubt, right? I don't ever have full, if I had full confidence, I would go all in. And I just have never, ever really seen that because no trade is perfect because there's always somebody on the other side. But if you have confidence and that mental stability, you're going to be able to sit through the noise and feel that you're right. If you don't have that confidence and you think that you're always wrong, you're going to be. Taking, it'll be death of a thousand paper cuts so having a good strong mental you know belief in yourself and what you're doing is more important than just about anything that comes to being successful as a trader.
0: Great stuff my friend but we are not done yet we have rapid fire questions next if you're ready for those
1: man bring it on
0: <laughs> all right everybody our rapid fire segment is sponsored by Trading Technologies Trade the global markets with TT. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform, now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Try it now for free at tryttnow.com. Brent, first question for you, what trader has influenced your life the most and why?
1: Okay, uh, that's easy for me. It is David Ellis. Uh, we talked about him earlier in the episode, and it's because he taught me how to how I can learn about myself and taught me how to take responsibility for everything that I do.
0: What was one of the hardest things for you to overcome in trading?
1: Uh, that was pretty easy too. The hardest thing for me was to learn how to not trade and how to sit on my hands and just not participate. I heard a funny, uh, a funny line um, the other day. Uh, I said, uh, don't just do something, stand there. When it came to like not doing something in the market.
0: How has your trading process evolved over the years?
1: Uh, that one is, uh, it's been a slow progression, especially in the beginning, but it's been more to define exactly what I do and to define what my edge is and understanding that and how to do more of that.
0: What is one attribute you believe every trader should have,
1: right. discipline. No question. You you cannot be impulsive. You have to be disciplined.
0: Favorite book about trading?
1: I really like Market Wizards, and uh, I think the Hedge Fund Wizards was actually even better than the original one. Uh, it talked about, uh, you know, I, I can't remember the guy, the author, but he interviews a bunch of different uh, traders, and they they're all different, and they all have different approaches, and they all find success, and it just Proves that you know no trader is the same, and there's a million ways to skin a cat in this game.
0: If you had to pick a profession other than trading, what would it be?
1: <laughs> I would choose to be a carpenter i like uh, I like building stuff. I used to be a carpenter in the summers before I started trading.
0: What's the best piece of advice that you received about trading?
1: It was to to make sure that all of, any losing trade that I had wasn't for nothing. Turn that loser into a lesson. Whether it's cheap or expensive, it can still be a lesson and then it's not just a loser.
0: If you could go back in time and give the younger you a piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Don't try to be someone you're not.
0: If you had an elevator pitch me your edge in trading, what would you say?
1: Uh, I would say that I've had Enough experience to know when the crowd is wrong, and that is how I make my money: is when I, the crowd is either off balance or when they're just flat out wrong. And that's my edge: is understanding what the crowd is doing.
0: Last question for today: favorite thing to do when you're not trading?
1: Uh, that's an easy one for me. I love watching my kids play hockey. They both play uh, play hockey, and I. Do that all the time. I try to do as much as I can.
0: Nice. It's hockey season right now.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and we were just we were just up in Michigan for a tournament last weekend.
0: Brent, where could people find you on social media, and if you have a website?
1: Uh, I don't have a website, but uh, if anybody's interested in reaching out, uh, you can always get me through email. It's brentnord at gmail dot com. Pretty complicated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brett, you're the, you're the best, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me on Futures Radio Show today.
1: All right. Thanks for having me, Anthony. It's good to be here.
0: Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please visit FuturesRadioShow.com and sign up to be a premium member for free. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes.